Dear listeners, thanks for finding the time to listen to this special episode today. Everyday life has changed for most people in the world. COVID-19 cases have soared. The rate of new deaths from the virus is still climbing in many parts of the United States. It is quite apparent that nobody was fully prepared for this. As of April 4th, 2020, there are 62,000 COVID-19 related deaths and 1.2 million confirmed cases worldwide. 300,000 confirmed cases in the U.S. alone. This is not only a public health crisis, it is also an economic and political crisis. In a time of such rapid telehealth adoption and enhanced remote monitoring tools, data-driven decisions have become even more critical. The centralized ecosystems and institutions that we have depended on for decades and possibly centuries are breaking down. Beyond the biological and psychosocial impact this will have, our entire social structure is transforming. The appropriate balance of privacy and security is key to a healthy community and civilization. I'm confident we will eventually tame the spread of the novel coronavirus, but how we go about actually doing that is still up in the air. As we all learn from this period of time, I hope we begin to practice more love and compassion in all aspects of our lives. All people, especially patients and providers, can use extra love these days. One way to help is to collaborate with other passionate leaders in the growing decentralized artificial intelligence technology and healthcare spaces. Many are turning to virtual hackathons to focus their efforts in teams. Virtual hackathons have been a great opportunity to gather with like-minded people and build solutions over a given period of time. Hackathons or other innovation tournaments are typically a day or a weekend or maybe even a couple of weeks. But on today's episode, I'll be speaking with three judges from a two-month-long virtual hackathon called COVIDathon. The phase one submissions deadline is April 30th, 2020. So I encourage listeners to go to covidathon.devpost.com to check out the rules and guidelines early. There's a link in the show notes. And if you're a new listener, just want you to remember that the Health Unchained podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and we are not providing any sort of legal, financial, or medical advice. Please do your own research and due diligence before making any important decisions related to these matters. And now, let's get to the show. Hi, I'm your host, Ray Dogan, and welcome to Health Unchained. On this show, I will be speaking with healthcare entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and executives who are using blockchain technologies to revolutionize healthcare. These innovators are building the distributed infrastructure and diverse communities required for a trusted, secure, and decentralized healthcare ecosystem. Enjoy the show. What is blockchain? What is blockchain? What is blockchain? The doctor will see you now. Welcome to Health Unchained, everyone. Today, we have a very special episode talking about COVID-19 and the efforts to build new applications using artificial intelligence, decentralized technology, and blockchain. And there's a hackathon called COVIDathon, and this is sponsored by at least three organizations, uh, Decentralized AI Alliance, Singularity Net, and Ocean Protocol. And I have three guests joining me today, which is a bit different than uh, some of my other episodes and um, I'll let the guests introduce themselves. Uh, the first guest is actually Robert Miller. He was one of my guests in a previous episode, episode 43, and he's a senior consultant at Consensus Health. Robert, 
Thanks for having us on, Ray. I really appreciate it. Um, appreciate the opportunity to talk about some really important content today and for the second appearance on, on your podcast. Am I the first person to do that? I think so, yes. <laughs> wow. So really appreciate you coming back on. So the second guest is Nima Asgari, and he's leading the ecosystem growth at Ocean Protocol. So Nima, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself to the audience too. Yes, just a couple of words because there are so many guests here. Uh, I'm Nima. My title officially is Ecosystem Accelerator. So I'm the internal accelerator for Ocean. And I focus on the early stage teams uh, and hackathons are kind of top of the funnel for us. Uh, after that, we uh, try to follow up. Um, I'm, uh, I have to be, uh, uh, I, I'm really grateful for everyone else who helped with COVIDathon. So I have to mention uh, especially Dr. Ben Gortzel from Singularity who helped. He's not here, but his uh, spirit, <laughs> his energy with it, is with us. Awesome. Thank you, Nima. And our third guest is Jonathan Pasarat Pambach. And I hope I said that right, uh, Jonathan. And he's a research scientist at Consensus Health. And he also is a researcher at the Imperial College in London. Hey, Ray, thank you for the introduction. Yeah, that was, that was perfect. I know the name is not very easy to, to pronounce, so <laughs> excellent. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm a researcher at, at Consensus Health and, and Imperial College. Uh, main interests around uh, privacy preserving machine learning and decentralized systems like blockchain, and in particular, the interface between, between these, two, uh, these two technologies. Awesome, thanks again for joining. And you know, ever since this crisis has happened, there have been many efforts to gather people in order to, you know, create new ideas or create new products and solutions to address multiple different types of problems that we've been seeing in the healthcare system. Um, so what are your thoughts on the hackathons that are starting to develop? And do you think hackathons will be able to solve problems differently than, for example, larger companies or organizations? What's the difference with the hackathon? And maybe we could start with Robert. Well, I I, uh, I thought it was instructive. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had um, it's like four or five of my friends that live on the West Coast. They work at big tech companies, something like you know Facebook, um, one one's at Coinbase. They have uh, very very great technical skills, a lot of skills uh, in managing data, driving insights. Um, but they didn't really know how to put those skills. Um, into areas that could help in the fight against COVID-19. And although they wanted to contribute, there just wasn't any guidance. And so I think part of the value of the hackathons that we're involved in is um, ushering those resources and skills towards problem areas um, and particular challenges where they could be very useful. Um, so it's, it's putting them towards these particular areas. And then in, in the case of um, you know, some of the hackathons that I'm involved in, it's pairing people up with experts and mentors in healthcare and life sciences that can help refine these projects even more. Um, I think there's an incredible amount of talent. I think that there's an incredible amount of people out there that want to contribute. And hackathons uh, really help to coordinate those efforts. Okay, so um, 
as uh, Robert said, hackathons are effective. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, why COVIDathon? Why this uh, specific effort? Um, so one, uh, I, I guess the main reason was uh, we, we thought uh, these uh, weekend hackathons, most of them run over weekends, a couple of days, a little bit longer. Uh, you simply do not have the time to create meaningful, valuable solutions in just a couple of days. It's great as a spark and start, but you can't really, um, you know, build a, even like an MVP in that uh, time frame. And then another issue that we saw as, you know, both Ocean and uh, our partners in, in DIA, including SingularityNet, is the focus on privacy. So, you know, when you just have two days or a couple of days or even as official you know, task forces, uh, probably you won't pay enough attention to privacy. So the idea of COVIDathon is more to be like an, a privacy uh, incubator. So you could call it in a way an incubathon. So, <laughs> so uh, you, if if you're working uh, on you know these related projects on any other uh, during any other hackathons, there's no problem. You can just come to our community, and we have a you know relatively large uh, pool of experts in privacy preserving AI, machine learning, cryptography, and healthcare. Uh, we can uh, give you the infrastructure to maybe uh, change your approach or adopt these solutions and uh, really, uh, you know, uh, even sometimes reskill the developers to uh, be more mindful of privacy. So, so in, in a nutshell, you could say COVIDathon is a privacy incubator or that run, that's running over two months from April 1st. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely agree with, uh, with Robert and Nima, I think. It is great to see this new format of online hackathon. Uh, I think it's definitely more inclusive. You, you don't have any any commitment to traveling someplace. Uh, no money, uh, no money impacting the decision of whether or not you want to take part in the hackathon. And and potentially it's a great opportunity for unprecedented matchmaking. Uh, you again, because like you, you're going to tap into this this pool of resources. That is that is so much larger than what you could have in a physical hackathon. So you get the opportunity to to meet people uh, from from very different backgrounds that you wouldn't have uh, otherwise. And I think I think it's great. And a particular example of that is uh, there's so many people, uh, for example, in the in the open mind community, which which I'm involved in, uh, with so different backgrounds, and and most of the time. They are they are just like looking at what's going on without really knowing what what they can do to contribute, but such large um, things like that. This this COVIDathon, uh, it's it's the perfect opportunity for people to leverage different skills into one single project, and I think I think that's just great. So yeah, and excited. I think you're you're absolutely right. The one thing about virtual hackathons is you don't have to go anywhere, and you can be home and work on these projects. And the cool part about this one, like Nima was saying, that it is going on for two months, starting April 1st. So you actually do have time to incubate and think of these ideas and develop solutions that are you know, actually going to work. Um, just for the audience, tell us where you guys are currently now. This is a pretty international group we have here, right? I'm in Berlin. And actually, in the same building as Ocean Protocol's headquarters, but they don't live in our office. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just lucky. That's convenient. What about you, Jonathan? I'm in London, UK. And Robert? I'm in the outskirts of Baltimore, Maryland. Where are you, Ray? I'm in Boston. 
I am in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, so let's get back to the focus of the COVID-a-thon. So like Nima was saying, this is to focus on privacy, preserving technology, and using blockchain. Um, tell me more about that. So why is blockchain necessary or why is it helpful to preserve people's privacy? To be honest, at least in the first couple of days of organizing the hackathon, I, there was no obvious way to put blockchain on existing, at least, ideas around COVID-19. But as we spend more time, we saw more and more use cases. Uh, I, I think, actually, Robert is a better person because he has his newsletter and he has a better overview to tell us about uh, specific use cases that use blockchain. But one of uh, the most, let's say, relevant ones is around sovereign identity, self-sovereign identity. And, um, you know, when you have uh, people uh, getting infected and, and uh, relying just on centralized authorities for uh, verifying, you know, their condition, you might run into a situation where one central authority becomes the single point of failure. So if you could have any kind of sovereign identity solutions that is more decentralized and you don't have like a single point of failure, uh, that in itself is really valuable. And this is, I think, one of the opportunities that we could leapfrog into the future that we use sovereign identity for many more use cases beyond just COVID-19. It's interesting to see just the pure blockchain use cases that result in COVID-19. Um, in the intersection of blockchain and privacy preserving technologies, I focus and, and John focuses too a lot on a, on a technology called federated learning. You know, we talked about this in our uh, previous podcast, I think, Ray, but quickly for your uh, new listeners here. Federated learning is a different way of training algorithms and getting insights from data. You know, in a traditional artificial intelligence um, training process, you take data from a bunch of different sources and you centralize it into one place. You know, this works as long as the data isn't particularly sensitive. You, you know, there aren't any privacy or competitive concerns around it, and you're comfortable handing it over to other people. But you know, clearly in contexts like COVID-19, you're going to be working with some incredibly sensitive data that has that uh, has, has a lot of ethical concerns around it. You know, it's people's personal health information, and they're not as comfortable sharing it with others. You would prefer to keep it, you know, on data stores that you know are, are private. Um, and there is a desire not to centralize data in one place. And in, instead of centralizing data, running an algorithm on that centralizing data, we can use a, a technology called federated learning. In, in short, and, and John, maybe you have something to add here, you uh, train algorithms on data that's kept locally and you only share the algorithm with other partners in a federated learning network. So you only share sort of, you could think of it as the insights from training an algorithm with your other partners and not the underlying data. And everyone in a federated learning network will take their updated insights, share them, um, and form an aggregated model with it, uh, uh, a global model over all the individual local participants in a network. And what is, is interesting about this in the context of blockchain is that you still need some set of rules as to what data can be accessed by what parties, what sort of uh, 
algorithm, the network runs in total, and blockchain provides a, a good mechanism to decentralize control of these things. And so one party can't unilaterally choose what uh, a federated learning network, uh, you know, a group of people collaborating to train an algorithm ends up training on their underlying data. Do you have anything to add to that, John? Yeah, I think, I think well, that was, that was an excellent summary, uh, first of all. And okay. uh, <laughs> I, think, I think our, um, our broad vision on that is, is very well captured in the, in the white paper that, that probably we can put in the show notes uh, afterwards. But for me, the, the interaction between, between federated learning and, and blockchain uh, even boils down to the fact that if you, if you go back to the primitives at the heart of blockchain, which are distributed systems, cryptography, all these kind of things, that's, that's literally what we're leveraging here. Even before talking about anything like tokenization, which is, has a fundamental place in, in, in the final, uh, the ultimate vision of, of decentralized federated learning. Even the, 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 the pure construction of the kind of networks that Robert uh, was describing, if you think about it, um, you, you're going to have like the, the, very, the very basic problems that you encounter in any kind of distributed systems. Uh, there's there's going to be different institutions coming with their data. Uh, uh, how, do you, how do you do data discovery across these institutions? How do you catch up if you've been offline for a while? So that, that's a problem that I've been solved in distributed system for a while and that, that blockchains uh, capture very well and, and expose in a very friendly manner these days. Uh, how, do you, how do you inject trust in these kind of networks? In, in the case of COVID, of course, there's a, there's a natural incentive for people to, to collaborate towards the common goal, but you can imagine these kind of networks uh, could be operating between, uh, between competing entities as well. And, and in that kind of problems, you'll have, to, you'll have to inject a lot of trust in the network, and that, that's where all, the, all the, the power of blockchain's network uh, come into play, I think. And, you know, I'll, I'll add one more thing on that. I think you touch on a, on a really important topic there, John. It's, it's that oftentimes these are entities collaborating um, that are competitors to each other. Uh, and although you may use privacy preserving AI to collaborate without compromise, we still need to create a set of incentives to enable people to collaborate together. And, you know, it, just, just taking an example, you might have a group of pharmaceutical companies, each with a huge set of data on uh, the molecules, the, the drugs that they've been working on, you know, a lot of insights individually. You'd love to have them collaborate together. But right now, with traditional data science tools, we have no way to be able to tell who has contributed the most to a collective algorithm. Mm. And I think that one of the really interesting opportunities we have is, is to use tokenization of um, your contributions of recording who has improved an algorithm the most, for example, and allocating tokens based off of that to then be able to give people outsized rewards for the outsized contributions that they make in federated learning networks. And so not only is it about privacy and enabling collaboration through privacy, but it's, it's also incentivizing people to work with their competitors. Um, and I think these are super important tools that are going to help drive uh, development of new cures and treatments. And in, in other use cases, too, like resource allocation um, that we can talk about a bit later. Yeah, no, that, that's really... You know, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. And I think you know now that we understand the theme of the Covidathon, which is like decentralized AI, um, I kind of want to go 
a little bit deeper and find out more about the structure of the hackathon. And I do see on the website there are also four tracks. We talked a lot about the data privacy and sovereignty track, but there's also medicine and epidemiology. There's informational and coping tools, and then open innovation. So I don't know if one of you want to take, you know, comment on that. Um, sure, sure, a little bit. So I, I had it actually here. Now you read it. So thank you for saving me the effort. Um, but I, Anytime. I think <laughs> so. I think these tracks are uh, broad themes that we want to rally people around to work on. But um, on a let's say more concrete level, there are uh, specific problem areas that kind of correspond to each of them. So the the actual medicine and and uh, epidemiology track is quite obvious the uh, data sovereignty as we talked about that is kind of the most pertinent issue to the focus of the challenge and then uh, the information and coping tools they're really interesting uh, you know projects that could come out of this vertical so you could have all kinds of these you know neighbor local neighborhood solutions or uh, helping people m match up so they don't feel lonely and it, it could be all kinds of things that uh, we usually do not really think about going ar around normal life but in this kind of situation I think there's there's really a new opportunity for uh, recreating uh, the same kind of same kind of social bonds through digital tools it's just that I feel the connective <coughs> sorry the connective tissues are missing that's really what's missing so in in the same way that we're creating let's say at ocean this connective tissue for data uh, I think we will see the same kinds of networks for people that uh, do not take away their sovereignty. Um, so, and, and then the last one, open innovation, is kind of obvious. So if you don't fall into the other three and you have some uh, relevant solutions, you can definitely submit there. And in there, we would even love to see solutions that are even more uh, hardware-oriented. So I've even seen uh, robots that go around hospitals and disinfect with uh, UV. So... Uh, people can really go crazy. There's uh, there's no limit if it's relevant. We'll try to uh, help them grow the project. Yeah, you mentioned one uh, application, the the coping tools, and you're right. So right now, even before COVID nineteen, there were lots of elderly, lonely people, and we do know loneliness is a major uh, factor in someone's health. And now that we are practicing social distancing, you know that has become even more um, like dramatic in the way that they feel so i think that's a really interesting use case and probably hasn't been thought of too much so it'll be see what comes out of that how are you guys incentivizing people to participate in the hackathon uh, so to be honest uh, we intentionally didn't announce prizes when we launched we announced it a little bit later so um we we don't think uh a financial reward is what will get people to work on this. But at the same time, uh, uh, Ocean Protocol Foundation is donating around, I think, $50,000 in uh, Ocean tokens. And that's in a way also like a red pill for uh, maybe newcomers from, who are not into crypto to, to have some skin in the game in one of the privacy-centric projects around data sovereignty. So we would actually love to see same kinds of uh, token or non-token donations from other uh, projects, be it members of DIA or not, uh, to um, also act as a you know kind of a welcoming uh, gateway for for uh, newcomers to to our space. 
Um, besides this, uh, there are non-financial incentives. I think the most important one is the network of mentors that we're building. So I think last time I checked, it was 50, but now it might be more. And uh, these are people from uh, venture capital to uh, lawyers to AI and experts in privacy preserving tech. And uh, uh, Jonathan and Robert are judges, but uh, you can also be mentors. So uh, I, I think in, in competitive hackathons, this is illegal. But for <laughs> us, because it's an, a collaborative effort, uh, we don't really mind if people, you know, uh, ping some of the judges and uh, work with them. And then maybe lastly, uh, this is, uh, I believe, the first time that anyone has done this. We're using a source cred, which is uh, a, a really interesting project. It's not directly crypto. It's more like a data science tool for communities that measures the contributions of community members. So we're running source cred mm. on our uh, Discord channel for COVIDathon, and I, I think uh, from today tomorrow, also our GitHub repos. And what we're doing now is that what we're telling people is you don't necessarily need to compete and win the final prizes. There's almost the same amount of prizes to be won by the most collaborative uh, participants. So if you spend a lot of time talking on Discord and people like and comment and they mm -hmm. use and link back to your uh, library, uh, you you also get reward. Wow, that and that's, that's really, really something that you can only do with uh, with the duration. So that, that, that echoes again what you were saying. Like that's that's a key feature from a, a hackathon that runs over two months. It's brilliant. Yeah. And one one thing one thing I'd like to add on that is that as an incentive, I think it's a great opportunity to to get familiar with these technologies that are what pretty recent in terms of uh, of available tools and, and platforms that support them and, and still pretty new for, for many people. So it's it's the best time to, to get your hands dirty with them. Yeah, and you'll be able to get direct engagement oftentimes from the very people who are writing these tools. Um, and that's an invaluable opportunity to learn and get feedback. So you guys mentioned that April 1st is when it kicked off. How long, when is the final submission due for um, It's two months, but it runs in two phases. So after a month, we have a kind of checkpoint milestone where you have to show that you've made enough progress, at least on the technical side. So in the second months, we can focus more on connecting them maybe to authorities, to larger companies, or giving them more mentorship support, even uh, helping them pitch their idea, working on the nice graphical stuff. So uh, it, I think the first even two weeks is more around team building and just finding out what, what you want to work on. And um, one of the, I guess, also weird things about this hackathon, because you know we want people to collaborate, is we encourage them to go work with existing teams. Uh, it does mean that you, if you win, maybe you have to share the prize with a larger number of uh, community members but honestly like even if you win it's not like the biggest prize is 5000 so whether you win 5000 or 1000 um it it's it's more about the long term support so it's we really want to encourage people to create a larger pie instead of uh, trying to win all of a smaller pie right and so you know i'm trying to think about which kind of people like what kind of people are do you guys need so is it developers marketers business people lawyers uh i would say in the first phase it's more 
developers and project managers and then subject matter experts so people who have uh, real world data for example we have a partnership with a group of doctors uh, uh, from a startup i think also in the bay area called the uh, nth opinion and uh, they were on our uh, second uh, covidathon webinar last night and i was really actually sorry the first one i was really blown away these guys are doctors machine learning engineers and also programmers themselves and their brothers that's the, so it, it was, it's kind of magical and uh having <clears throat> access to people like these guys is amazing so if you're a group of uh let's say healthcare professionals who have uh, first-hand data and, and you don't know what to do with the data uh please come to us even if we don't know how to use it at least we'll list it in the list of resources so other projects can make use of it um so that's for stage one or phase one until end of april and after that then uh, we'll need more uh, diverse uh, skills so uh, it could be lawyers even marketers uh anyone who can uh, help uh, spread the word and is the goal for these com for these groups to create companies like LLCs, you know, are you going to be helping them provide resources to help them start companies or is it just build the tech, get it going, get users? What, what, um, level of maturity are you expecting? Um, well, you kind of read my mind. That would be interesting as a follow-up, uh, after this, uh, to talk to real accelerators to see if we could provide follow-up support. So you can you can think of it as a funnel. We have maybe we start with 1,000, 2,000 people. We uh, end the phase one with maybe 20 or 30 teams, and then at the end maybe uh, we finish with uh, 10 winners. And then from those, a couple of them uh, quite likely I think will become real startups. But within Covidathon, it's not. Uh, it's more a, a hackathon, not accelerator program. So uh, we don't expect people to uh, create companies out of this. But if they do, because we have uh, also investors and uh, lawyers in the mix as judges and mentors, I'm sure we can help them. Now, we do have Jonathan and Robert, both from Consensus Health. I'm wondering what if any insights you have from Consensus Health regarding hackathons and COVIDathon and anything else you can share from that perspective. Uh, I, I think it's... Um important and one of the valuable things that COVIDathon and, and the hackathon that Consensus Health is doing with Gitcoin um, brings to the table are healthcare and life sciences subject matter experts that can help you um, prioritize solutions that are going to make you know, concrete public health impacts and um, be able to point you in the right direction. There, you know, healthcare is a notoriously complex and thorny space, and I, I think it's easy um, to to have difficulty navigating that. Um, and it, it's really important right now that we are shepherding people towards um, problem areas where they can actually make concrete impacts, uh, as well as building tools that people on the front line. Um, front lines need and are prioritizing those tools. Yeah, I think it, it's really about reproducing this mix. Like we, we're quite lucky at, at Consensus Health to have a, a team that is very well balanced between healthcare specialists and, and, and technologists and, and even people like Robert who, who know a bit of both, uh, I'd say. And, uh, and the hackathon is really the opportunity to 
to get this mixed in, in into into teams that would be formed just just for that. Uh, I think it takes quite a lot of time to to get the right people together, uh, and so that 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 kind of like goes back to what. Uh, what Nima was saying about the the importance of the first weeks to 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 match make the right people together to build the team because uh, these these balance will, will make the difference uh, I think I I'm I'm going to speak from from the the technologies perspective and uh, even though we we've got uh, we we could think that we could solve everything with privacy preserving technologies uh, the way you apply them if if you don't have any idea about how the healthcare world works. Mm-hmm. You just be pointless. So all all these efforts need to be funneled in the right direction, and and that's why the the right mix in the team is important. I think. And you know, I, I would add to that. Um, you, if you're listening, you're a healthcare life science expert. It's it's not too late to get involved. I'd, I'd encourage you to message me, John, Nima, or Ray. Would be happy to connect us. I'm sh- I'm sure mm-hmm. you know, we would love to have you as a mentor. You work at. Um, you work at an institution where you think people would be involved, we, we would love to have your institution involved. There's no financial commitment. Um, we just ask you to share some resources and our hackathons with your network, and, and that would be uh, tremendously valuable to us. Yeah, for the developers, what resources are available? Is there like a cloud network that they can utilize? Is there some sort of free services that you're offering? We have some of that for Covidathon. Uh, I think we will get more, but it's interesting. It's a company called Genesis Cloud that is like a sister or grandchild company of Genesis Mining, which oh, is yeah. uh, quite famous. <laughs> so they've donated some, uh, uh, I think, GPU instances to Covidathon. Interesting. Um, so can some of you share some examples of projects that people have submitted or, or you know, have reached out to you about just to get an idea of what's, what kind of cool use cases there are? Um, uh, so I have to say it's the early days of the hackathon, so I can talk about themes and what I feel people are going to build. So one of them is around contact tracing, which is a very common problem. Uh, you want to know let's say if you've come into contact with someone who who had COVID-19, you want to kind of build a network out of this and have like a a connectivity map. And um, there's a project out of MIT, I believe Media Lab, called uh, Safe Trace, that, uh, no, Safe Path. Safe Trace is from Enigma. They're another partner. But that we're collaborating with them and uh, it's open source and what we hope to see is people uh, building different applications and use cases using the uh, data out of SafePath. So so I think it doesn't make sense to have a million different apps gathering the same kind of data. So what we're doing is trying to first establish a connection to know how we can exactly contribute and then encourage teams in Covidathon and other hackathons. There are actually two, three other hackathons that are going to collaborate with us. Uh, they have some similar uh, themes to to use this and build on it uh, as as a platform. So that's one category of um, apps, in really interesting apps that we're seeing. Another one is uh, around diagnosis and detection. So you can think about natural language processing. A really cool one that uh, we already have in the hackathon is uh, <coughs> <laughs> well, that was funny. It's actually, actually so you, you cough into the app. Uh, I swear it wasn't intentional, <laughs> but, but you cough into the app and 
um, it, it does some uh, machine learning magic, and then it, it tells you if you ha what's lesser the likelihood that you have the kind of COVID cough, not the uh, common cold cough. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that that that's that's a really cool one. And I also really like to see more solutions around the, our information and coping tools. So um, people uh, building neighborhood help support. These are things that exist in Telegram groups. So I would uh, love to see these uh, kind of uh, sp uh, scattered uh, Telegram groups become uh, some kind of privacy preserving uh, support groups that, that maybe hopefully come out of COVID-19. You know, it's interesting. I just saw, I think, very recently, Telegram released its uh, verified coronavirus channel or, um, you know, the ability to be a verified channel on Telegram, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's clearly the kind of applications you could see on the, on the blockchain mainnet, for example. Adding trust to the data sources. I think, I think beyond, there's, there's always going to be different, uh, different sources of data. The data that are fine being public and that are already public at the moment. Uh, now, where, where blockchain can add to these to these data sources is first aggregate them to, to simplify uh, their discovery and and add add more trust to them to show that they are immutable. They've not been changed from one day to another. They're still there. Uh, you can you can rely on them. They come from trusted sources. So that's the same kind of idea than than what uh, apparently Telegram has, has put together. And, uh, and then the privacy-preserving tech can come into play for the more sensitive data sources that we cannot really tap into uh, without any, any, any kind of guarantees like that. Yeah, I think um, briefly we mentioned how important team building is during this conversation. And I kind of want to talk about that a little bit more. I think, you know, in order for a team to come together and truly put all their efforts into something, you know, it takes a certain amount of team building or storming or, you know, uh, challenging times to understand how the personalities will fit together. So are there any efforts to help users or help uh, these hackers with the team building or are you, how are you guiding them to be successful? Uh, I can just say there are efforts, but there are several uh, types of efforts. Uh, and I think it's uh, the nature, the decentralized nature of these hackathons that uh, allows us to experiment. So one of them that uh, I've been doing myself, I can't say it was super successful, is uh, we have a series of webinars. Mm, I think it will be too late when you publish, but people can, can go to Crowdcast or just search Crowdcast COVIDathon and there are three at least webinars. And after each of them, we invite people to come uh, pitch. So that, that's one of the approaches. And then uh, recently we were joined by uh, more hackathon experts from for example, coinless hackathons, uh, they're going to be running some processes for us. And then uh, on our Discord channel, which is kind of like our community hub, we use it for more than just chatting. We give people roles and uh, we create uh, channels for each team. So they kind of have a virtual booth where mentors can go visit them, see what's going on. And uh, helpers have kind of admin access to uh, give them support. So th we have the infrastructure, but unfortunately, I can't say we've figured out the art of team building. And uh, honestly, I was talking to Ibi, who's uh, an amazing uh, woman. I think she's Dutch. She's uh, co-leading the organization of the hackathon. I think we should. The, one of the outcomes of the hackathon should be some team building AI. 
that you mm-hmm. just like talk to the AI and you say, these are my skills. Not that fancy, but just type, these are my skills and this is what I want to do. And it would just match people. So I think uh, we will seriously consider <clears throat> doing that as a, as a theme. But uh, for now, we do not have like a one size fits all solution. That's interesting. Sort of like a, a dating tool for um, people who want to build something together. Like you'll have 20 questions and they'll match you with oh. the right people. <laughs> yeah, a bit Tinder for team building. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, so I, I do want to know more about the Decentralized AI Alliance organization. And I do understand it is a nonprofit and I'm curious about their goals and long-term view. So die. DIA, D-A-I-A, was founded by Dr. Ben Gurzel. Um, his, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's the person who invented, coined the word AGI, Artificial General Intelligence. And um, so he is the founder of also SingularityNet. Uh, they thought uh, because of this, the, the, the vision and nature of this being a decentralized effort, we should be very open and collaborative. So it's an organization with 50 members and hopefully growing much more after this that uh, welcomes anyone working on related efforts to decentralize AI and data. The Ocean Protocol is also a member um, and uh, hopefully soon uh, we will have uh, more events like Covidathon coming out of Daya. So this is the major, the first major, uh, this kind of effort uh, that Daya has organized, but it definitely will not be the last. Awesome. Thanks, Nima. Um, so I'm just wondering, is there anything else we should cover during this conversation? I know there's so much to cover, but I want to make sure I don't want to take all of your time today. So um, is there anything that we didn't cover that we would like the audience to know about. I just wanted to ask uh, Jonathan to tell us a little bit about Open Mind because they're um, the elephant community in the room and uh, uh, they have a lot of uh, energy and force and a really huge community. I think now there are close to 8,000 people on their Slack group and also uh, formally collaborating with uh, Covidathon. So uh, Jonathan, maybe you can tell us a little bit about Open Mind. Yeah, sure. So, the Open Mind is um, is a, a community that tries to promote uh, mostly federated learning, but in general, privacy preserving machine learning. I'd say um, there is, um, as you said, like a growing community about eight thousand people on the Slack. Uh, not as many, but quite a lot of contributors on the on the GitHub projects as well. Uh, the 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 main the flagship project for the moment is called PySift. Uh, it's a it's a project that builds uh, an an interface on top uh, mostly of uh, of PyTorch, but also of the of the other common machine learning packages like TensorFlow uh, and Keras as well. The idea being to provide to the to the data scientist that is that is used to to manipulate the, these packages. Um, a common interface that that uh, abstracts the complexity of privacy preserving machine learning. So it's bringing all the privacy preserving techniques that have been developed and are still being developed uh, in in the academic community uh, to to the the broader data science community. And uh, as as a community itself, it's I must say it's uh, I've been I've been doing open source projects for for the best of ten years now, and it's it's probably one of the best managed community there is on the internet. Uh, wow. 
it not only gathers extremely talented people from various organizations, you've got people from Google, Facebook, startups, academia, from all over the world, all over the place. But also the 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 atmosphere in this in this in this community is extremely extremely friendly. Uh, everyone is everyone is happy to be there. Everyone gets gets a chance to speak if they want to. Uh, of course, you've got you've got people that are more or less involved. Uh, you've got you've got people who focus on on writing blog posts, translating blog posts, all the way down to people who do super fancy things in in cryptography that that very few people can understand. And and seeing all these different this broad spectrum of skills coming together with one single goal, I think I think that's excellent. And I think all that is is primarily due to to their uh, to their excellent leader Andrew Trask. Who I think you have on the on the webinar series you were talking about, uh, Ima. Yeah, and if I may plug something here, um, I just started a new podcast called Voices of Data Economy, and Andrew was our first guest, and it was an amazing episode. So if you just Google Voices of Data Economy, Andrew Trask, we talk about open mind in depth, and um, I think something like Covidathon and this. Uh, COVID-19 crisis uh, is is a great opportunity for uh, the all the latent you know potential in a community like uh, Open Mind to put it into use. Uh, so th these guys are like uh, uh, privacy gurus that uh, are really needed right now. So I think they've been proactive. There are a couple of blog posts. Um, we can we can share the link with you, Ray. So at least you can put that in the show notes for for your audience to read. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to do that. And um, just for the audience to know, uh, when Jonathan and Neymar talk about open mind, it is spelled open M I N E D dot org. So it's not open mind M I N D. So um, just for you all to be aware of that. I think and, it's based on mining, right? Yeah. Data mine. Yeah. Right. Well, that's fantastic, guys. I'm really excited for the hackathon. I want to be part of it too. I, I'm going to sign up. If I, I think I might have already done so, but I want to get more involved. And I think the audience here, I think, check it out see if you're interested i think it'd really be helpful especially if you're at home now which most people are i think it's a good opportunity to you know participate in this new growing field learn something and also meet really cool people um so i just want to thank you all for joining taking your time out of the day join me here on health unchained and uh i really hope to speak with you all again and looking forward to looking at the results of the hackathon and um yeah so thank you guys Thanks for having us. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us. Hey, y'all, you cyberpunk health warriors and nimble digital disruptors. Check out healthunchained.org. And remember to subscribe to Health Unchained on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes. Join the Health Unchained community on our Telegram group, t.me slash healthunchained. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends, your bosses, your teams, your students to listen and subscribe. Thank you.